Hello all, welcome once again to the Kindred Spirits Enneagram Podcast. My name is Chris Hayden, I'm the pastor of Kindred UMC and one of the hosts of this podcast. This week we have Katie Rubin, who is uh, a spiritual healer and a human being and a host of another podcast called All the Answers, which is an ironic, funny uh, title, and she was delightful. So uh, check her out and her podcast. Uh, And I was also a guest on one of their episodes, so we kind of traded back and forth. If you're interested in being a guest on our podcast, please email kindredumc at gmail.com. Like, rate, review, subscribe, all that stuff helps. Share. And with no further ado, away we go. Come on, Craigbot. There he is. Oh, my God. Okay. Craigbot is now recording. And OBS is now recording. And that means that we are officially recording. Welcome, Katie Rubin. Thank Ruben, you so right? much. Yes, Hi, Ruben Katie. is right. Hello. Hello. Not, not Hello. Katie Rubin. Please don't. Katie Rubin. Yeah. Fantastic. Great Glad to meet you guys. You. Thank yeah, you for you having too. me. Yeah, Thank it's you that for funny. reaching out to us. Oh my God, totally. It's that funny thing where I've been like going on walks in the forest listening to you guys because like I'm like, oh, we're going to do the podcast. Let me know who these humans are. <laughs> Yeah, and so I, I'm in your conversations and I'm like, oh, I can reference stuff you've said, but you have no idea what's happening in my reality. All right. I love that. Yeah, I definitely listened to when you first reached out. I, I, you know, the first thing you do is look somebody up and I looked up you guys and I, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm, oh, um, excuse me. Uh, I was very like, uh, your irreverence was like right on par I was like, that's going to work for us. Aces. <laughs> We're going to get along just good. I'm thrilled about that. I, you know, I have to admit something to you, which is a fun, transparent way to start things. I had my assistant do like a sweeping research thing of all podcasts in a certain type of types of podcast. And she found you guys and you responded positively. So I didn't know anything about you when I listened to your podcast. And I was deeply, pleasantly surprised to learn that you guys are in kind of and you're going to correct me everywhere i'm wrong but the churchy we say that all the time realm yeah the realm of churchy things because ordained uh methodist pastor (gasps) i'm thrilled by this notion so thrilled Because it's, it, it's in a way, it couldn't be more similar to what I do with my time. And in another way, it couldn't be more different. <laughs> and I love that. And I am an eight. I'm an eight, you guys. Oh. Okay. Very cool. Oh, that's right. Was I not supposed to give it away? Damn it. No, there's no, you, it's, it's your, your number you can do. You, yeah, yeah. You. This is your, this is your episode. This is your number. We're, we, I always say it's not a gotcha podcast. Anything you uh, would like to be removed later, you just say the word and, uh, cool, cool, cool. but, yeah. uh, so, yeah. so anyway, love the ways that we're coming at, I feel like all spiritual practices, right? All teachings, all of it. And we've all said this a million times in a way we're all coming at the same stuff from different directions or from different teachings or different practices, but we're getting at essentially a lot of the same principles, a lot of the same desires, a lot of the same human needs. And it was really very rare exceptions. There are a couple of things that I've been like, no, like there are certain denominations within the church that I'm like, that's unhealthy. Oh yeah. I mean, we shouldn't teach people that. (laughs) 
A million percent. Of course, of course, of yeah. course. Always there are but exceptions. I, but very broadly speaking, I, I agree with that pretty yeah. strongly. I, I was a chaplain at Tampa General Hospital. That was kind of a very formative experience for me. And as a chaplain, you don't have the benefit of walking into a room and saying, oh, no, I only deal with Christians. Right. Uh, like, so, you know, you have to find some kind of universal human spiritual truths to relate to others in their hour of desperate need. <laughs> yeah, of course. And and can I ask you a question about that? This chaplaincy, I imagine that to become ordained is a whole process, and then to become a chaplain is a separate process. Is that right? Uh, yes, and there are some points where they intermingle. Okay. So um, you cannot be a professional chaplain without the... There, and there's different language, but basically without the, um, you know, like your your religious sect has to kind of approve you for that. Right. And in the Methodist church, we would call that you, you are commissioned or ordained and you are appointed in a certain way. Um, and then d different denominations have different words that kind of effectively mean the same things. Interesting. <clears throat> but in order to be a pastor, Almost every Methodist pastor has to go through a chaplaincy education, like what we call CPE, clinical pastoral uh, education. I did um, hear you talking at length about CPE with one of your buddies, which that episode was fun for me because it was basically like, here's a bunch of teaching pedagogy. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm going to get educated on teaching people. Sweet. Yeah. She she was my supervisor when I did my CPE I know. experience. And I fully was, know. Yeah, she's and as as she quickly earned my respect and has maintained it to this day, and we are good friends. And I love shout out to Ginny Sumner Carr as well. Yeah, that is we evident. Scheduled for a part two soon. Yeah, she she knows her shit. She's the education guru. Yeah, she well specific, and it's specifically about spiritual education. Yeah, like she, which is a a damn hard topic if you're not. Because it's not a, it's not as simple as history or studying like systematic theology of something or reading the teachings of so, like it's not that it's more like who are you how do you feel about things how do you relate to the cosmos why do you exist yeah why do we exist like yeah and trying to get people into those spaces is uh it's a okay, difficult so thing and she's very good at it. Well, now you're describing what I do professionally. So I have all these healing classes people come to where I take them through seven weeks and then seven weeks again, and then seven weeks again on various topics at various times. And it's incredibly interpersonal, deep, spiritual. And I have no, like your guys's version of training. I have none of it. I have a ton of training in other ways that for me sort of organically and intuitively all congealed into like, oh, I guess I'm a spiritual teacher now because <laughs> that's just how that's, my life has gone. And like my a little whole, bit how calling works. I mean, that, that's a hundred percent how calling works, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm a, I'm a mystic and a channel and a spiritual healer and that's what I do. And that was not the life plan at all. <laughs> <laughs> I, so, tell me about it. Yeah, I don't need to, it's, clearly. It's weird to say pastor. <laughs> I bet it's, it is. It's weird. It's like, yeah, I, man. it's not natural. Do you pastorize currently? Oh, yeah. I'm I'm appointed here at Kindred UMC. And this podcast is, an, is like an extension. It's basically an arm of Kindred UMC. 
and uh yeah we're and we're actively building a church right now oh my god i'm so excited i have sixty thousand questions i'm gonna i'm gonna try to save my questions for you for when you're on our freaking podcast i'm i think that's a good idea i was gonna suggest the same like yeah. I, i'm actually far more cure i mean like this is the proper setting i'm curious about so when you say spiritual healing when you say a mystic yeah. a channel yeah like uh, pick pick your lane yeah uh, whichever you'd like to talk about first but t- i mean tell yep. me about it what do you do how does it work uh, how oh do you, god like how do you operate yeah. yeah 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 um goodness me okay tiny bit of context required mm-hmm. so i ha- i have a oh god <laughs> all right so to begin when i was eight you ready? We're going back. When I was eight, I remember laying on the bedroom floor of my like childhood home and I had the glow in the dark stars on the ceiling and I, that I had put there. Me I got like, a ladder. You did too? Oh, yeah, I was allowed to have the stars on my ceiling or I'd get in trouble as a kid. Really? Yeah. I have because other fun stuff though. Was it, why did you get in trouble? Oh, just because it was like a sticker going on the ceiling and we rented okay. a lot. So okay. it wasn't like a behavior thing so much as it was a, no, we can't ruin the ceiling thing. I get you. I feel you. Okay. Um, we could have a whole socioeconomic conversation about that. We'll come back. Point being, I'm laying on my back and I'm looking at the stars and I'm eight and I'm thinking, I see the future where I'm standing at podiums and I'm talking to large groups of people about unity consciousness. And I know this when I'm eight. And I remember cut to like, I'm 16 and I'm dating a bad boy in high school and he's the worst and he sells the drugs and it's very sexy and we're dating. (laughs) (laughs) And I, one day we're together a long time and there's always this icky feeling in my stomach when I'm around him, but I'm also love him. I love him so much, but icky, but I love him. And I'm confused about that dynamic. And one day I say to him, uh, he goes like, what do you, I said, what? I don't remember how the conversation happened, but I ended up saying the sentence to him. I said, yeah, it's like, I see myself at these podiums talking to people about unity and I think it's going to be cool. And it has something, it's like consciousness, but who you are, but bigger than that. And I think I said the word transpersonal before anybody taught me that word. I just kind of knew it. And he goes, and his response was word for word, huh? I just want to drink beer and eat pizza. (laughs) And I remember thinking, oh, we're going to. Yeah, (laughs) he's arrived. He already arrived. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, okay, we got to break up. Uh, And it took me like a year year and a half. And he, side note, threatened to commit suicide. He was the first one uh, when I broke up with him, which is my first. Turns out he wasn't that chill. He's on the way. He's on the road. Yeah. So he, uh, when that happened, that was the beginning of my teachings. I'm learning at 16 about codependent enmeshment and boundaries and victimization and all the shit that you don't need to learn about at 16, except that everything in my childhood was trauma, 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 trauma. I didn't even get into the trauma. That's just, I had like the visions of spiritual knowingness, but there was also simultaneously like dark, dark shit going on that I won't fully upset you with, but not exactly the things that shouldn't occur occurred to all the ages of me that it shouldn't occur during. Yeah. So cut to I'm 23 and I get sober. Feel free to say, by the way, don't, you don't have to spare us from any details you would like to share. Sure. Like that, yeah. We, 
I've, I, you know, the first child I ever baptized died the next day. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, we can talk about anything that you are, would like to talk about. I hear you. Thank you. I think yeah. it's um, trigger warning material for people listening. So I like to be careful about what I throw out and when I throw it out. Sure. We're kind of, uh, yeah, we're, I appreciate We're talking that. about a different like trajectory, but we can, I, it'll probably come back. I'm sure. Cause it's. Well, it, it, what I, what I'm intending with that statement is only permission giving, not pressuring. Of course. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, it is relevant though. And it's great. Thank you for the permission because in the healing worlds that I've been working in for a lot of years, which I'll get to in a second, they there's a common understanding that deep trauma at young ages tends to blow the nervous system open to profound spiritual experiences because you get broken open in the way that like a deep bowing or prostration to the divine will do. If you're a grown up and you decide with your conscious mind to say yes to Jesus or whoever, you're going to. Well, we always talk about acts of surrender, like the way, the way, towards healing and towards wholeness is counterintuitive. Exactly. It's not, I'm going to do it by my strength and by figuring it out. It's, mm. it does, it requires a subjugation of, to something. That's a hundred thing that will literally destroy you. That's yeah. the exact, that's the deal. And so when you're a three-year-old and your physical and emotional spiritual system is penetrated inappropriately, your system is blown open and the nervous system and the brainstem haven't they're not evolved yet. So they don't know how to integrate the information. They don't know what's occurring. So the whole system becomes disorganized around this like invasion, right? But simultaneously what happens is, and if you have certain proclivities, like I've always been inclined towards sort of otherworldly abilities, if you want to say that, that plus this deep early trauma that took place several times, many times, it really lended itself to my system just being like, cool, cool, cool. So we're wide open to all the things because we are. So by the time I was 23, I got sober because I noticed I started drinking alcohol and doing a bunch of drugs when I was 15, smoking all the cigarettes, having sex with all the people forever. And then forever until I was 23. Then when I was 23, I had had like a full theater career, professional actor, all kinds of success to compensate for all the pain and the drama. And then I hit a wall and I just went, this all has to stop. All of it has to stop. And it all an interesting. I've I've just identify a lot with your story. Um, my I I never had any type of physical or sexual abuse, but I grew up in a pretty traumatic, emotionally traumatic environment, and it it produced similar proclivities and similar like openness and curiosity and yeah uh, and and also like I was in theater. I wanted to be up front always. Like, I, I have things to say. Let me speak. I want to tell people. I, I want to be in front of the crowd. Yes. Um, and specifically about, yeah, like wholeness and like uh, this message of counterintuitive wholeness has always yes. been at the heart. And then yes. I also, my, my drug of choice was kind of codependence performance yeah. kind of stuff and yeah. i also i mean i was later i was like 28 or so when i finally was like i think we're done with this now yeah it's 100%. time to, it's time to do some serious work here and, and get better and like 
abstain from all the things that are making me not feel who I am. So like, it's very interesting that you're saying a very similar trajectory. I mean, it's, it's fascinating on one level and on another level, don't you just think it's sort of like so predictable in a way, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's like, of course, I think think the difference is I, I've, I've, I work with a lot of people who have suffered trauma. It's not everyone's natural inclination to become open after that. That's true. And then, and not everyone has kind of an awakening moment where they go, it's time to stop coping with that. And it's time to start. The language I use is like incorporating, like to even to, to incorporate the horrible things as well as the good things. Right. So that I can really, truly be who I actually am. Right. Like if if we believe in a god that yep. is you know this almighty all powerful thing you know however whatever form that takes yep if you believe in that and want a relationship with it then it's going to have to start with you incorporating what you have experienced because whatever you've experienced is a direct result of that god and in my experience and i'm sure you get this it's the doorway to more connection with that god Yes. There's no deeper door I know than pain and grief. And, you know, we talk yeah. a lot in the worlds I come from about like humanity and consciousness itself <clears throat> evolving in the next phases of human consciousness to, to, to stages where humans might actually one day in a dream world in the future not need trauma and pain to open to the divine. Like that we might yeah. choose it. We might be willing to just choose it. <laughs> but right now, not so much. Have you noticed? Yeah, it, yeah it, does, it seems like it almost requires some kind of a traumatic experience, yeah. some kind of a, a, like a recovery circles would call it rock bottom. Yeah. Um, like, and there's lots of, I think lots of different people who are kind of working around the same ideas have different terminology for the same yeah. thing. Like, yeah. It, I mean, if it's going great, you're not, it probably doesn't work for you. Like, 100 if it's going great, you're million, not going to Million percent. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's where I started with all this was in the recovery rooms when I got sober at 23. So I got all the language and I got the foundation of steps one through 12. And sorry, you have to forgive me. One thing that happens for me when I start connecting with people at the heart level, is I start to get a lot of psychic information about everyone. And I now know your Enneagram. I'm not going to type you, but I know it 100%. I'm clear. I've, I'd be curious. You know which one of our Enneagrams, Chris's? So, Chris's. Yeah. Okay. Wait, yeah. I'm, I'm actually very curious. Well, you said yours, didn't you say, wait, don't tell me. You said, oh, you're a two, right? Yeah, yeah. Which I really related to what you said, by the way, about like in Christian circles, of course, everybody would mistype as a two because helpy, helpy, nicey, nicey, of course, mm-hmm. right? Especially the, the thing that I, one of the things that I admire most about eights is their ability to boundary set and to, yeah. you know, like really just own the moment that's something that as a two, I legitimately struggle with. But I think for some people, it's not so much that they struggle with it as they just don't want to do it. You know what I mean? Oh, I see. What's the difference, you think? Struggling um, and not wanting to. I mean, I think not wanting to can come from a, a million different places as a type two specifically. For me, I legitimately feel like the people I love don't love me back if I set those boundaries. Uh huh. So I will just not because 
I want to protect the relationship, but then you get trapped in like toxic circles and cycles. Yeah. And yeah. so yeah. It, I mean, I like it looks a little use, different for everybody. I like to use the metaphor of um, like, what would you sell your soul for? Or what tempts you to sell your soul? Yeah. Like yeah. twos can be tempted to sell their soul for the sake of the like the support connection that right. kind of a thing right and like uh it's like so fours can be tempted to sell their soul for you know attention or you know whatever language can go to yeah. it and yeah right that makes total sense i'm a self-pres eight so i'm like give me all the money and i'll give you whatever fuck you want all the money <laughs> I'll, I'll give you my babies this is my dog squeezel you can have her yeah i'm the exact opposite i'm a social too so I prioritize I all my social circles and all of my relationships above literally everything else. You know, what's funny, that's really cool because, you know, I teach a lot of people and, and what comes up all the time in my classes is codependency, right? Codependent enmeshment. And as an eight, I'm, my attitude is like, oh, I'm sorry, you're toxic. Get the fuck out of here. I got no time for that and so then yes katie my, my oh no toxic none so people come to my classes because the way i market on the internet is like don't put up with that bullshit bitch and then all the twos in the world come to my classes because they're like but how do you say no what if they're mad at you and i'm like let them be fucking mad yeah and they're uh, gonna get mad at you yes of course <laughs> are you mad at me is a question i ask on the daily I it's know yeah. it's it's so funny. Okay, so when you were you guys had that fun conversation in a recent episode about is it a is it a personality thing? Is it a is it a motivation uh, thing? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I fun. really you know my thing in life over and over again, which is a spiritual teaching in my life that I get knocked down about all the time and have I'm constantly being given this lesson is anytime I'm going is it this or that? It's one hundred percent of the time both, right? It's yeah. a zillion percent of the time, both. And the reason is the heart is the great integrator and the heart from the heart, everything is all one thing. There is no either or in the realm of God, AKA the realm of the heart, but in the mind, there's either or the mind is where we go. Is it this or is it that? Yeah. Well, our brains are literally binary. Exactly. Like so, our, ner wait. our nerves are on or off like a computer yeah. like computers are on like they have the computer programming language is it's a one or a zero one or a zero one or a uh -huh. zero one or a zero it's all yeah. digital yeah uh, but the heart is analog the heart is analog. like a photograph so like the I... difference between digital and analog is uh, -huh. uh so imagine like um like a keyboard where you press all the keys and it makes a, a specific tone like an a is 440 hertz that's the tone it makes. When you press that button, it makes that noise. That's kind of digital. Uh, versus a guitar, where you've got all the strings on the guitar, and like you can play the same place on the fretboard differently, and it'll sound a little different, and it'll be a little different depending on how hard you press, or whether you bend, or whether you like, or even how. Like I used to say this to my, I, I worked for a pastor. I was a worship director for a long time, and he wanted to have in-ear monitors and and have it in this set it forget it kind of setting. I was like, it doesn't work that way. Like somebody's mood that morning is going to affect how they play their instrument. Yeah, because it's I an analog system. Like it's yeah, not I'm, digital. I'm, I'm now 60 zillion percent sure of your Enneagram type. Wait, I need oh, to yeah? know. 
<laughs> I'm unsure. So I, you know, I know. I, like, I know. I, I heard, I, heard your thing I, about it. I'm getting closer to what I think I am, but I'm I'm curious. I don't mind being typed. It does, I'm not I'm not specifically attached to the numbers my, either. My only reason to not say it is because you'll probably resist it then more, <laughs> and then I'm like, but no, but we'll let all that go. You know, I well, think yeah, but it'll be fun though. Trust me. Sure. Yeah, that's cool. I get it. Yeah. You can flow with things. I yeah. I definitely think you're a four. Yeah. Oh Most yeah. People do. Most people oh, yeah. who get to know me and, and connect with me and then uh, and, and are familiar with the Enneagram uh, yeah. think. And in fact, Jenny Sumner Carswell, my good friend that we were talking about earlier, she's like she was like, oh, yeah, you're a four. Like you're so as like, four as it gets. What what more do you need? I'm pretty sure I'm a one. Oh, no, I'm pretty sure I'm a one a type one. What's that? Sorry. Yeah, I missed you. I said a counter type one. Oh, yeah. So counter type one. A sexual me, one. Tell me more about what that means. And you know that's not how we pronounce it, Courtney. Sexual. So sorry. That's the right. That's, that's four the right. right there. He's a four. <laughs> uh, I think I'm a one. I think I'm just a fun one. Huh. Wait, can you help me? Let's define the counter type one more. Can you yeah, say words so, about it? Um, yeah. You have your subtypes, right, Katie? So you yeah. said you're a self-preservation eight. So yeah. because subtypes exist, each number has a counter type. Yeah. Okay. So the sexual one is the counter type, which means that it has the motivation in type one, but takes on the personality traits of a different number. And so oh. sexual ones have the motivation of wanting to be morally good and the core fear of um, being bad um, and doing the wrong thing. But often, I don't really identify with the core fear. Often yeah. take on the personality traits of a type four or type eight. Interesting. I, so here's, here's how I would, I would change the language for myself on the type, the core fear. I would say I have a core, I have homework anxiety. I have a core fear of being in trouble. Yeah. Not being bad, but being right. in trouble. Sorry. Bad is just one word to describe it. It's also yeah. being wrong, bad, or evil. And then the core motivation is having integrity and virtue. Because, like, what's yeah, the core so I, fear and motivation of the four? Core uh, motivation of a type four is to be unique and authentic. Uh-huh. And the core fear is of being flawed or defective. Yeah, that's you, bro. <laughs> nah, I don't the so here's where it's cuz I I I do think if I had to like narrow it down to like a couple of types, yeah. I, I yeah. think I am either a type 1 or a type 4. Okay. Here's okay, where can... I, Here's where it always goes wrong for me. Um the idea of being unique does not even remotely appeal to me. Except that it shows up in almost everything you say every second that you well, say I, it. I just am unique. Like I'm a special guy, you know, but the, I don't need to be unique. I, in fact, I would love to have like, a, in fact, a lot of my calling is, man, I sure wish a lot of people could like approach, you know, mental and emotional wellness from my perspective. Like I would like to actually reproduce myself a lot. Um, 
and the idea of like being the most unique in the room is eh, I, I just don't i don't need i don't the idea of being special isn't it um i do like attention and that's kind of why people have always kind of i i've, I've been drawn to the idea of four but the more and more that I think about it, and the more and more that I like really engage the one, the I'm more and more certain that. So I I have the what's called the inner critic, as a type one. I was gonna bring up. Yeah, I I that my inner critic is always running. I am always, I, I'm not a judgmental person, but I am always making judgments about what could or could not be better and how and why and and like that that could sound like i have i don't think i've ever been to a concert where i haven't wanted to get behind the soundboard and critique it and just change it in a specific way like yeah but i i have to push back against that a little bit and say that could just be your upbringing your trauma your patterning your narcissism that could be a lot of shit well, yeah, but that's what Enneagram is. Enneagram is rooted in the inner child trauma. Like, because ultimately, the, I mean, the, the undergirding theory of Enneagram is that everyone has experienced trauma and that trauma right. ultimately kind of defines us, especially right. at very early ages. For sure. And ha how we respond to that trauma, like how we cope, the, yeah. the defense mechanisms that naturally occur to us in, in the presence of that trauma ultimately end up kind of defining our types, you know? I understand. Yeah, With I understand the inner that. critic thing, type ones are the only number on the Enneagram that have what they would actually refer to as an inner critic. Um, so it's a constant voice in the back of their head. For counter type ones, that's going to look, um, instead of inward focus, it's going to be outward reforming focused. And that's why I never really connected with the type one, because I always thought when, when you hear the phrase, or at least when I hear the phrase inner critic, I think that I'm criticizing myself. And I'm uh -huh. like, no, I think I'm pretty fucking dope. Like, like my life is dope and I do dope shit and I'm, you should want to be my friend. I'm, I'm awesome. And so I've never really like, but I definitely, uh, even the things that I'm, that I feel particularly confident about and very good at like preaching is, a th I mean, I don't preach very often anymore in a, in a traditional sense, but when I was preaching on a regular basis, I was like, I'm, I am a dope fucking sermon writer. Like I am good at it. And I never walked off. I'm mean, well, not never. I very rarely walked off the, the, the chancel and the, from the pulpit and was like, I fucking nailed that. Like that happened rarely. But occasionally it would happen. Most of the time it would be like, that was close. And if I, if I could have done this, if I had it to do over again, it would have been this and this. And like, that's the inner critic. And when I'm at venues and when I'm watching movies, like God save my wife from my fucking monologuing about story structure and Joseph Campbell, Hero with a Thousand Faces. Oh, and Star Wars. Oh my God. Yeah, I will. I will. I have to. We have to keep the pause button next to me so that I can be like, pause. Okay. You know what they should have done here? This character doesn't really have a flaw yet, and we haven't okay. done right. Like I like that's me. I I you know, and I can keep it in check for sure. Like if I'm out with a group of people at a movie, I won't talk through the movie or anything. But when it's just me and her at home, oh, you better believe it. Like I'm 
I'm going to rant and rave about how better this movie could have been if they would have just done a few small things. I hear you. I am done taking my point of view about it. And I'm letting you, you are correct. You win. You are right. (laughs) Well, (laughs) we'll see. Because I could definitely change my mind, uh, you know, in the next week or so. Fantastic. (laughs) That seems to be... uh, that seems I mean, to be my trajectory look, so no, far. Yeah, knowing you for 20 seconds and being like, I'm sure of a thing. That's We're going to hold on to that lightly anyway. Yeah, right. Like, as, as we all should. I think yeah. we should all hold on to uh, all of the typing, even our Quite own lightly. Uh, yeah. Quite, like, yeah, hold on loosely. Um, and that's kind of my, that's also the dynamic I think we have. It's my job. It's my job to take the piss out of Courtney every once in a while with, uh, the Enneagram seriousness. (laughs) (laughs) So I was telling you how I got into the woo and what the woo is. And then we did, we'd had a fun. Oh yeah. Then we had a little deviation. Deviation. Uh, Please please go back. I I'm still very curious. Well, just to answer the question, the long and short of it is with the 12 step foundation starting at age 23, like about seven years into recovery, there was this, deeper level I needed to go to that by seven years into recovery, I had done a ton of therapy and I had read every Byron Katie self-help, everything there was. I had done, um, I'd worked with Christian mystics and shamans and um, all kinds of uh, biofeedback experts on the brain. I'd been on medication, off medication. They thought I was bipolar, then they didn't. All all the stuff had happened in that seven years. And there was this awareness of this energy that was like, I used to call it a triangle of cement that was started here at the base of my neck or the top of my neck and went down to the pelvic floor. And it was just like I was a brick wall inside. And I had done seven years of kundalini yoga and twice a day transcendental meditation. And what would happen for me in the kundalini or in the meditation is I would do, I would do the meditation and feel relief for about 20 minutes after. Can I ask you and what then, drew you to those things? Were they just more effective than like medication or therapy? Like, how did you find that? Yeah. How did I find kundalini? I had tried all the yogas and the physical yogas just sort of were like, cool, my muscles feel better, but they just didn't do anything for my inner landscape. I had so much trauma that I needed something that was going to work the insides really a lot. And then I, somebody said, come to this class. Oh, I know. You know how I found it? I was in treatment. I was a year sober and I went to treatment for my eating disorder. And I'm in an eating disorder treatment facility. And they said, you have evenings off on these days. And one of my buddies who I'd become friends with in the treatment center said, I'm going to this Kundalini yoga class, you should come. And I went and it was instantly, it had an instant inside effect on me. Like I, you do the breathing exercises and the positions with the body and immediately my system responded and I felt some relief. Yeah. Well, I felt actual relief for the first time. And additionally, when I did TM, transcendental meditation, my, it would like silence the motor in the brain. The brain would just not be driving me for, and like I was saying a second ago, for like 20 minutes after the session, I'd be like, hey, relief. And then boom, it would slam yeah. back and the cement would be there and it wasn't gone. And there was always something in that's, me from that eight-year-old. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. just motor in the brain. I, I really identify with that too. I hear you. Please um, continue though. No, yeah. And so I knew somehow when I was eight, and then again, there I am seven years in, so 30 years old, I knew there was a way. I, I just believed there had to be a way. And the way I would hear it in my head was that the light could penetrate my heart and dissolve the cement. And so until I found what that was, I was not stopping. There would be nothing that would stop me from finding that. And so when Kundalini didn't work after seven years of to dissolve the triangle and TM hadn't done it and a lot of therapy where I understood the whole picture and all the dynamics of my family and I learned NBC, nonviolent communication, and I did blah, 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 blah. none of it changed that inner landscape. And then I had an incredible spiritual experience of synchronistic miracles that literally fell from the sky that I wrote my third solo show about that landed me in a Sufi healing school. Sufism being, for those who don't know who are listening, the mystical arm of Islam. I am a Jew from Miami <laughs> going to an Islamic Sufi healing school. No interest in Islam, no interest in Sufism. Always liked Rumi. Sure, why not? He's that poet guy. And through a series of events that I could talk to, it would take all day though, and I won't do that right now, I wind up miraculously at the Sufi healing school and the money, it was like $58,000. I had $11. The money flew into my life and flew into that school. It like flew in magically and paid the school. The Sufi school taught me how to bring divine light directly into my heart and it fully melted the triangle. I do not have mind chatter anymore. I almost have to like rank my mind up to get it to do anything anymore because it's not there and everything changed and then i went on to be a sufi healer for a while and then there were two more healing schools and i've gathered a lot of tools but that's how it all got started all because of the trauma and because nothing else was working i again I, like i really identify with the like you were talking about i i understood the trauma, like I understood it, I could map it out. I like I knew how it worked. I know the mechanics of it, and the, well, that's very similar to something I used to say. Like, because um, I studied psychology, I was in therapy. Like, I, 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 I'm just an intelligent person. I understand this. I'm, a, and I'm, and I'm also very self-reflective. Like, I can see, I seem to be more self-aware than the average bear most of the time. Right. Right. And um, and I remember having that same feeling. And, I, and the thing I would say is, is like, I could understand it. I could see it. I could like look at it and map it out and understand everything that's going on. But I would I still wouldn't be able to stop myself from sending that like eighth text. Yep. Like knowing yep. that this was only going to make it worse. Yep. <laughs> and that, yep. Like, but I yep. still would just have to send it. And, it's like, and I remember being like, similarly, like. I know that there is, I've seen other people who are, who seem to be at peace with themselves. Yeah. I know that there is a way I, yeah. I like, I a hundred percent know that there's a way <laughs> that, that I can be alive and, and like whole. Yeah. And it's just a matter of like finding it. Um, and then I, I very similarly, I like a series of events just kind of happened and fell into my lap. And I, I found a, a similar to you, it sounds like. She was a a very counterintuitive therapist for me because she had like no formal training, 
and she was like very conservative uh pentecostal church lady Ooh. which and i've i've never been conservative but and i've always been very kind of open-minded when it comes to theology and she's very like biblically literal and mm. i was like i don't know about this mm. uh but it's the same thing like i went because yeah. of, because she had a track record as long as my arm that was like everyone i ever met who's who visited her was like what's going on with you man like you seem good well how do you do that Huh. Um, and uh, again, like very early on in the relationship, I was like, holy shit, there's something magical yeah. in this room. Wow. Like something's, something's happening with this woman yeah. <laughs> and the way that she talks and the way that she gets right at the things yeah. and like yeah. the way that she like invites me into things that like, yeah. So I, 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 I'm just, I'm very, very struck by how similar our stories are. That's very cool. I mean, I have had the thought many, many times, when are you just going to be a preacher already? When are you just going to get the degree or whatever those people do? When are you going to just go to the school and do the thing? I cannot join institutions. I, I'm an a yeah. I cannot fucking I join them. Yeah, I cannot do it. Cannot do it. And, and, I, and I will I not go back to school ever. Couldn't pay so me many. Like I've researched them, I've looked at them, I've been like, this one's super open and I don't have to buy all the things. I can just do the thing. Nope, can't do it. So I just keep doing it on my own and doing it in my own way. But like, I, I hear you. I'm not surprised given that like my counter self who cares about rules and structures and institutions is you. If I were a person... <laughs> Who cared about rules and what people think I would do exactly probably. And I'm oversimplifying and it's not like that, but I'm just saying I've needed it to be really structureless and no rules. And I have to find it my own way and all that kind of ego stuff, which also I now understand is just part of my spiritual alignment too, because the way that I work with clients is I have 600 tools now because I've been to three, four year long healing institutions, three and I've taken so many things from each of them. And then I've done 80 zillion trainings, all of which were just for me. I was that fucked up. I needed a lot of fucking help. And then it all worked over time. And then now I stand here like whole and at peace and going like, well, what do I call myself and what do I offer? And then what happens is people come and do a session or they're in the class and they ask a question and I can pull from wherever the fuck I need to pull from, right? So it's all here. I just, you know, and sometimes I go like, I've even researched like the, there's a lot of like, in California, there's a lot of, um, you know, Unitarian, non-sect oriented, yeah. non-denominate. And I look at even them and I go, no, but they're really stuck on this one. I can't, they yeah, all have stuff they're that they're stuck on. Yeah. yeah. Where they're like, well, you gotta with this and with that. And I go, Ooh, but not with, what if that ninth client who shows up, that doesn't work for that person, but the, Quan Yin would work, but Christ is not her jam. Let's calm down with our attachment to the Christ. He's an amazing ascended master. And I want to talk to you about Christ because I have so much cool stuff happening with the Christ late lately. But my, my jam sweet is big picture is like, and this partly comes from just my orientation, but partly because I worked as a Sufi healer for a bunch of years. And I realized if I'm working as a Sufi healer, I'm basically, I have to turn you into a Sufi for you to heal. You got to do the practices and, and you got to. Yep. You know, you got a flaw of Christianity too. 
Right. Well, that's the fatal flaw of all religion, from my point of view. Yeah. It's like, you got to do all the things we do to get the results. But the weird part is they're not wrong. Like, if you do all the Sufi things I did, you will get the results of the freedom and the love. But well, so, it's not the one right way. It, well, so here's the thing. Here's the counter argument to and, – and obviously you – don't believe that either like like, uh, uh, here's the counter argument to that though that that we literally have are experiencing right now so we've got a guy in our group who not religious at all uh grew up muslim but not like practicing muslim and um he started coming he started hanging out with us at because we have social events and then he started coming to our bible studies and then he joined one of our disciple groups and then and so all of these are just we're we are doing the things that Jesus does with people. So yeah. like, you know, treating people the way Jesus treats people rather than teaching people to talk about this guy Jesus. Right. You know? Yeah. Like, um, and all and then af- after months of that, now he's like, I think I want to be baptized. <laughs> of course. Like, I would actually like I actually can get, really get down with this Jesus guy and this christ idea like i want to join that and so it's it's the like what works is the exact opposite and that's how every every real like master of spiritual anything yeah that's what really happens is what they demonstrate with their life is hey man don't be so attached to that label or that title or that identity that you have or that whatever instead um try to try to zoom out try to recognize the this divine consciousness in everyone in christianity we would call that the christ you right. know like try to recognize this thing that exists in every single human being right try to identify with the people that even are your enemies and antagonists yep. and find find the the divineness in that and if yep. you can do those types of things man then uh, then who, who care, call yourself whatever who cares yes. like, that's not the point like yes. the point isn't the label the point yes. is identifying with this christ <laughs> consciousness or or whatever yeah. you would call that you know 100 percent. and you know the first place that i saw people living that way was the 12 steps like which of course we know has deep like somewhat christian history yeah so that's fully understandable but then when i got into the sufi school and I was hanging out with all these Muslims, again, Jew from Miami, like know nothing about nothing. It was like 9-11 time. The only thing I knew about the Muslim world was like, maybe they had something to do with this 9-11 thing. Not, yeah. I mean, I was smart enough to be like, that's insane. And this is clearly right. people are making up stories and let's calm down. But that's all, that's it. No context at all. So I'm hanging out with Muslims and they're like treating me like a queen come to our house, eat our food. Here's the coffee. We made it for you. And they're doing all this Jesus-y, give it, love, nurturance. Because when you read the Quran, it's Jesus stuff. He was a freaking Muhammad came and he's, I know, but Muhammad was a prophet who the, the, that part of the world could hear that guy talking that way. And my point of view is that like Jesus was a prophet who those people could hear that guy talking that way. And they all need, whoever needs whatever they need, the great big picture is delivering to us in human form, sometimes in the past or sometimes now, humans that can say words and emanate energies that the people in that region or the people in that time period can receive. And so whatever it is for you, I'm having been deeply inside the Muslim world now and the Quran and their people, and then having been deeply inside a lot of Christian teachings, 
everybody's kind of doing the same shit. I hate to break well, it to everybody. I, the, the things that seem to be working, you know, right. the, the things that actually set people free. So the 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 reason I lift that up is because, uh, like, what um, one of my deep callings, like, one of the reasons that I, uh. One of the reasons I'm not UU and and I'm Methodist is because okay. of what. Well, one thing I always say is I I need the story of death and resurrection. I need that that Christ story. Yeah. Uh, so that's one reason. That's probably the main reason. The second reason is um, hmm. for the um, many denominations or non denominations in Christianity have completely inverted the the whole idea like. It seems to me that the message of scripture and and Christian faith, which is the the spirituality that I'm most familiar with, has to do with interpersonal wholeness and freedom that then allows us to connect with others, even our enemies, in a loving and gracious way. Yes. And what too much, far too much of the Western church seems to be producing is the exact opposite of that. Yes. It's like quieting your inner voice, killing your heart, and, <laughs> and like keeping your nose down and doing the thing that we're telling you to do in a of way course. that divides you from everyone else and right. makes them them and right. us us. Of course. It's like, well, we that's... Please, like, tear that wall down. Yeah, like, to me, you're talking about the toxic people and the toxic offshoots of any religious tradition every religion has their offshoots away from the original teachings of the prophets that came that do crazy separate from people shit that's Mm -hmm. just so transparently clear when you look at any religion they all have crazy motherfuckers in them and then they have super aligned open-hearted connecting with others giving service people within them Uh, yeah and they come so, and reform stuff. And th- I would say the same is true of any political institution, too. Like, that's also a thing that seems to happen. Like, um, like some some system is, is like, ideated in, in a way that's like, hey, we, let's make this for everyone. And then someone eventually comes along who's slightly sociopathic yeah. and knows how to manipulate that. And then, like, yeah. escalates and escalates and escalates. And then all yeah. of a sudden we've got... A, a really Putin. like power problem. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, and like no. you can, and it, Putin, it's it, whoever, it, it, and it exists in in religious institutions, and it yeah. exists in political institutions. Oh yeah, and it, and now we're seeing it. It exists in in like social media institutions too. It's like, everywhere. Like, yeah, it, so like, what we're really talking about is this like human condition problem. That's right. It's this cou- again. It's counterintuitive that in order to find wholeness, you have to surrender to something, and if yeah. you're constantly seeking whatever it is uh, in social media, it seems to be attention and prestige, or you know whatever, like if financial yeah, or, or power, like or status or blank. approval or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, like if you if you if you're doing it that way, it's almost always going to be hollow, empty, and vapid. And mm-hmm. if you're doing it this other way, which is what all of the, all of the gurus throughout all of the like history right. that we understand have been right. saying, it's like, hey, let go of it, let exactly. go of the title, right. let go of the power, let go of the prestige, let exactly. go, like don't identify. Which is where you're, I go, you're the like light, not the bulb. A hundred percent. And I go, I go like to me. Here's the thing: the amount of pain in my history makes it such that I would have done, Chris 
anything anyone told me, I'm going to cry talking about it. Anything that all the time. anyone would have told me to be free of that pain, except for like serve the darkness. I wasn't ever going to do that. That wasn't in my makeup. And so I just tried everything, including all the egoic status shit. I won all the contests and I had all the things and the best actor and I was the most famous. It didn't fucking do it. And I had to do it. To, that's that seven wing, by the way, that I had to like try everything and do all the stuff and find out in doing so, oh, actually it doesn't do it. And the only thing that did it was a pure transformation of the state of my heart from direct divine transmission. Now, that brings me to, I want to talk to you about the Christ Lake because I got, I'm so excited. Can I, I want to, okay. it's a kind of a shift, but it's on that topic because we, uh, I don't know what hour it is for you. It's 25 minutes, though. Uh, so we've got 20 minutes because we have to, we actually have to record another podcast after this. Okay. But we can do 20 more minutes. So I just want to just so you know, because if there's like if there's things you want to talk about, I definitely want to get to. You're the guest. It's your podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Well, this is yeah. I'm very excited to talk about this exact thing. So I, coming back to what I said, starting part of why I'm so excited to be talking to you guys is to me, I'm also an Aquarius, if that means anything to you guys, astrologically, any context for that? I'm familiar with I'm not really, yeah, Okay. The point being, I know enough to know what they are. Okay. The, when I say those words to me, what that means is like, Aquarians are very free thinking, structureless, ahead of the curve, not into structures, no systems. That's just very, my personality. It's in the stars. Yeah, like they're sort of, anyway, we could go on that tangent. The point being, for whatever reasons, for the way that I see things, one of my favorite things in life is when systems or people that seem to be coming from different fill in the blanks, like you said, political orientations, religious backgrounds, lack of religious backgrounds, whatever it is, find out that there's, there's, it's all the same. Like that's, yeah. I think my favorite thing in life. And so I'm just loving that. And it brings me to this Christ-like conversation in the following way, which is to say that when I went to the Sufi school, right. And we had a master and he would come from Jerusalem and he would walk into this rickety mosque. We were doing our prayer shit in that. I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Praying with this thing <laughs> on my head and bowing. And I started to like see the Quran in Arabic in my eyes. And I was like speaking Arabic without knowing it. Spiritual crazy shit was going on. And I was like, I guess this is what I'm doing. I get, okay. And this man would Rituals walk in the room. His name was powerful things. Yeah. Tell me about it. Like powerful. So he would, yeah. So he would walk in the room and emanate light. And so much light would come off of him that you'd just be sobbing all the trauma out of your heart and out of your eyes, just from him being in the room. He was incredible. So my point being, I felt what human beings call love for the first time when I was 33, no mistake, 33, we all know, the big J, year 33, not a small mm -hmm. thing. Right. I was 33 and all of a sudden I was like, oh, that's what people mean when they say L-O-V-E. And it was because Sidi Al-Jamal, this Muslim dude, is transmitting light at me and I'm, my heart breaks open and I can feel this light come in and I'm going, oh my God, that's love. And then I'm sobbing and it's, the rest of my life has changed forever. 
cut to, so then I spend a lot of years where like my frame of reference for what God is and what the divine light is, is like steeped in this Sufi lineage because it was the first place I experienced it directly, right? Conceptually, I learned about it in the 12 steps. Directly, I learned about it through the Sufi light. So years go by and I become kind of facile at transmitting different kinds of lights. Like I can tap into like, now we're going to get out there. Okay. But I can pull in like alien, Syrian, Pleiadian, star being light and transmit that for people as well. And I've been doing that for a bunch of years. My point of view is that there's the divine light, which is the source of all creation. And from that, there are emanations of that light that take all kinds of forms. And as long as that light is bowed to the light, capital T, I don't care what form it comes in, if it's going to contribute to my client. That's, how, that's my point of view. As long as it's bowed to the light light, I'm aces with it. If it's bowed to some other shit, I got no interest and no time for that. So I do all this for a long time. And then I learned to read the Akashic Records, which is another way of transmitting light I won't get into. I'm guided quite clearly one year ago. Actually, it was about three years ago. That's a whole nother long story to move to Mancus, Colorado from California. I was living in Oakland, San Francisco, LA, Sacramento, not a teeny tiny fucking non-town in the middle of fucking nowhere. So they're like, okay, so you're going to Mancus now. Mancus? The fuck is that? Actually, they said the four corners. And I went, that's a desert. What? And so long story long, I come here and I build this freaking healing center because I can't stop myself because the call is so strong and it just happens and the money and it all happens. And while I'm here... I often say... Uh, I feel like a fraud because I, I feel like I've tricked people into paying me for some stuff I would be doing automatically. That's yeah. a, that's a hundred percent what I feel. Except that like, I, I would be selling insurance and still building some kind of a community like this. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. And these I, these suckers are paying me to do it full time. Well, you know how I framed it? It was like, this is how I framed it. The only time in my life I felt comfortable in my body was when the light was moving through my body. So I was like, well, if the only time I'm comfortable is when the light is moving, why don't I charge people to move the light through me into them? Yeah. (laughs) And then it was like, oh, this is actually helping people. I'm going to charge them a lot. Because... fucking changes their life and it's like a big deal and it's actually a skill but i relate to what you're saying because it was like i'd started it because i just needed to be in the light all the time i was miserable when i wasn't in it you know anyway i'm trying to get to this place of like i'm being long-winded i realize but being here in mancus what was brought to me and the reason i have this healing center which i didn't understand initially i was just taking directions right from the big picture was the christ light The Christ light is here. There are portals in Mancus, Colorado, and in Durango, this whole southwest corner of Colorado, portals of Christ light. That's what I now know. And how do I know that? It's because my house is sitting on one of them. And my healing center is another one of them. And I found that through the Akashic Records, they started to tell me, my team, my light, all the people, the beings, the light, whatever. They were like, so you're going to get the Christ light now, ready? And I was like, okay, like, I got all the other lights. Let's do the Christ light. That's fine. Whoosh, whoosh. I led a four-day Christ light retreat for, like, non-Christians, just all my students, and we're just all weirdo artists, and it's not Christianity. But I'm like, cool, we're going to transmit the Christ light for four days. I have not been the same person since that four days of Christ light transmission. Christ light is 
fascinating and huge and so shiny and bright. <laughs> and I was like at the retreat, right? Like we're on this couch and we're all in a circle and i just happened to be good at receiving divine light and giving it to people. That's just what my system can do for whatever freaking reasons. Right. But four days for eight hours a day is a lot of light. I'm telling you guys, when I left that retreat, I'm sure I got more out of it than anyone who came. And they paid a lot to be there. I'm sure I got, I was driving back across the country, seeing through time and space. <laughs> Everything was a, was a sign and a miracle. Everything made, I was one with all, it was like the Uber, like um, plant medicine acid trip, four day road trip across the country, but I was on no drugs. I was on Christlight. Yeah. And the um, Christ light has obliterated even more shit out of my everything such that I'm like, this is some cool shit. I'm not going to be a Christian, but I love me some Jesus <laughs> a lot. Well, it's the, that's the, it's an, it's an old cliche quote now, but like, uh, I, I can't remember. I think it was Ram Dass or something who said, uh, I love your Jesus. I just can't stand his people. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. can you, as I, I know this is abstract and like, I'm asking you to put words on a pretty trippy spiritual experience. Yeah. Can you talk about what, what was significant or different or like, can you describe? Yes. yes. Thank you. I love that question. One of my favorite things in life is articulating things that other people go, there's no way to put words on that thing. Do That's another reason I'm like, too. right. That's why I should be a stupid preacher. <laughs> anyway um what was different about it god uh literally or what um, was if you know depending on how your brain works my brain works in differences in comparison yeah 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 um but if you if there was something that stood out to you yeah um all right okay i'll say this before okay all the Sufi work and the Akashic record work and the channeling, all the, all of that for 20 years, 15 years, whatever it's been, what it's been doing is it's been, um, erasing the edges around anything I identify with. Anything I think is me is been getting obliterated away, right? Like, oh, I'm angry at my mom blown away. Oh, I'm right about this. Gone. Oh, I have to be blanked in order to get blanked. Obliterated. Like, I think that's the whole mystic's journey is like right. everything yeah. that you think you is <laughs> becomes not anything. And you become space and wind. And then you teach people. <laughs> well, and like, it's a, it's a hard scripture, but Jesus talks about anyone who wants to come after me. Uh, must deny their like must hate their mother and hate their father. Yes. Like he's obviously not talking about hate. Like we've lose something yes. in the translation. What he's talking about is identify. Like he's talking about this. Yes. The identity that you have for your like. Hey, you want to follow this road? Like you're gonna have to like forget your name. A hundred <laughs> you know? like, zillion percent. Yes. And that comes back to our two talk because I find that a lot of times people who struggle to with the two stuff the twos tend to struggle with. Um, there's so much, there's a thing I admire so much about twos. You know, they say a healthy integrated eight is leaning toward the qualities of a two. 
right? Is that twos like give a shit about people. Twos like care. And I'm like, I don't need you people. I don't need it. And I practice caring because it's kind and it works better. And I'm a, I'm a realist. And also like my heart hurts now because of its orientation to the divine when I'm not kind, but it's not my default mode. Okay. Yeah. So I love that about the two that they go there organically, but the challenge of it is then they go, but my mom and dad, and they spend years on, but my mom and dad, meaning I was lucky enough that my parents kind of destroyed me and were terrible. So I was like, bye, mom and dad, free from identifying with mom and dad. But that took 15 years of clearing work, even though, even when they were not kind to me, like they were mean to me. And I still took a long time to de-identify as like child of these humans. So imagine if you're still, you're still in your body. You still have physiological attachment to like, there's no escaping that those relationships are going to have an impact no matter what. A hundred percent. But my point being, even with trauma and wanting to detach, it took a while. So imagine if you have love from your parents, how the fuck do you detach? And as Jesus said, hate your mom and dad when they loved all they did was love you. Can you imagine? That's hard. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I was lucky in that way. And very counterintuitive. Again, like, I guess, the, I mean, that seems to be my favorite word these days. Um, it it it's, seems it, that we want to cling to identity. That seems the way forward. I know. And it's not. It's not. It, like, it is the way towards, I mean, God, in, in, the, in horrific, heinous examples, it's the way towards some of the worst shit humanity's ever visited upon ourselves. It's the whole um, problem. And then it just... Right, right. No. Like, and, and the letting go of that and really identifying with a, a, a more broad conscious idea actually elevate, like, it's, it's, it's weird. And I don't, it's not, it's, I have to be careful because Christianity is so rife with prosperity gospel kind of stuff. Yeah. Of like, yeah, if you just, you know, smile and have good posture, then God's going to give you everything you ever desire, you know, like, uh-huh. and that's not what I mean, but there is something about the, I know wh- what you mean. When we actually, when we actually let go of those labels and when we actually identify with something that is less defined and more divine, how's that for a catchy phrase? There uh, it is. That's your new website. The, like good things come to us and they're, but they're not necessarily the things we thought we wanted. A zillion percent. Okay. So to finish the answer to the question, so, yes, you, yes. So all of what I was saying was to lead up to, so that's been my whole life, right? Like everything I've been doing, all the light, all the healing I needed, all the trauma, it was obliterating all of that. Every identification mm-hmm. with everything. Then the Christ light started to descend or emerge or move through. And the next levelness of death of the identification with anything of the Christ light occurred and is occurring. And I just find that like every session I'm in now with clients or in my healing classes where I'm doing a lot of trans light transmission, I mean, the Christ light's always there now. And it obliterated, it obliterated like, um, you could even say like, 
any categorizations or distinctions between the Syrian light and the Sufi light and the this light and the here's the aura and here's the heart and here's your mind. No, there's nothing. There's just space. There's just consciousness. And that's the Christ light's gift to me. It's like the next level of it. And I find myself now able, I can just stand in front of people and just go, okay, what's going on in your heart? And they go, it hurts. And then I'm just wizarding shit out of them, which of course, it's not me doing anything. I'm just a vessel through which the Christ light and all the other lights are like doing what they do, but they need a loud, Jewy Miami ex-actor portal through which I can loudly insist that this shit is real. On the internet, because I'm a pushy broad. And so that's, I finally, it all sort of makes sense now. Anyway, it's just been so fun to have the Christ light come through. I didn't know if that would ever be a thing and I didn't really care, but it's cool. um, If you are curious, and if anybody out there listening is curious, a a very good resource and a very like mystic um, Catholic priest, actually. He's a, he's a, um, Richard Rohr. uh, yeah, Richard Rohr. The yeah. Universal Christ is He's the best. That book is incredible. Have you, have you, yeah, have you read Falling Upward? I have not. It's like it's on my list yeah. of 14 books at this point. Ugh. But like well, but Universal so Christ is like especially if especially for Christians, I would say. Because Christians, especially if you grew up Christian, we have a tendency to really be bound by a bunch of bullshit. Um, and Richard Rohr, who is a Franciscan Franciscan monk, Friar. like he, he is yeah. a like a he is a priest of priests. Um, yeah. And to hear him talk about mystic spirituality and the universality of the Christ, the the divine Christ that is in all, like, and it for for me it was very permission giving because uh, I don't like. In Christianity, there is this tendency to the temptation of orthodox. Of course, you know, like the yeah. following these particular rules, and I and I think we miss a lot when we get bound by that. That's the whole. I um, think that would you could argue that that's like the whole problem. Now, there's yes, a paradox. I think though. so. There's a there's a weird paradox that I find fascinating, which is that, for example, I had to go to a Sufi healing school and pray fi- salat on a rug five times a day for about five years to get, like, I did the religion of Muslim things because I was desperate and it was working. And then at the end of that period of time, I I didn't need the structure anymore. I had the light. And then I found that it was always with me and didn't go anywhere. So the structure was not required. I know. And isn't it fascinating how the paradox of like, sometimes we need the structure and then you have to be willing to let go of the structure when it's time. Good, healthy structures have the decency to self-destruct when they're no longer needed. That's good. <laughs> like, you that's know, good. Like, and that's a Richard Rohr quote. Like, it, yeah. I, I don't have the exact verbatim, but that's kind of what he says. Like, right. having the structure is is necessary. Yeah. And then it should no. self-destruct. Oh, that's, <laughs> cool. that's so good. You know, like, yes, that's really good. Yeah. Um, wow. All right. We, we're right at time. Uh, okay. I could... I could talk about this stuff all night with you. I have a feeling. Cindy, I'll talk um, about it all night. Super fascinating. It, yeah, I I highly enjoyed this. 
I cannot wait to join you on your podcast. Before we always end with a toast. Before we toast, uh-huh. um, can, would you would yes. you like to plug your your yes. uh, podcast and your school and your healing and all that and yes. your business and all yes. that? Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. So, um, if you're looking for a healing or a package of healings, or to come to one of my wacky and profoundly game-changing healing classes, you're going to want to check out katierubin.com. Just owning that Christ-like, calling it by my own name, katierubin.com, K-A-T-I-E-R-U-B-I-N.com. And the podcast is called All the Answers, which is ironic. And it's free everywhere you get podcasts. What we do each episode is we, um, Cassidy, my friend and I, who's a fellow comedic actor of mine, we be comedic at the top and have a fun time bantering and then our guest comes on and i open the akashic records of the guest and we channel i channel guidance for them and we do a healing in the episode so it's deeply spiritual and also very irreverent and it's called all the answers check it out i cannot wait it's so fascinating it's it is wacky right it's the wackiest way in my little road so fun i love that (laughs) Um, so we always end with a cheers. Cool. Uh, uh, I feel like I'll go first. I haven't gone first in a while. Cheers. Okay. I know. Uh, well, I feel moved. I, I, I would like to cheers to the, the universality of the divine that lives within each of all of us, each and all of us. Um, and the power in that to not only find ourselves and love ourselves, which is God, that's a superpower if you can get it. Yeah. Um, but also to love the people who have harmed us and the people who uh, seek to harm us. And mm. that is also a superpower. Mm. I'll go. I am going to cheers to the power of listening. Um, often mm. in these moments, I find myself kind of taking a backseat and just really absorbing all that I can. My natural like stance is to just listen and really try and learn from the people that I'm communicating with. and. As somebody who is naturally inclined towards wanting to be kind and be with other people, I really feel like the best possible way I can do that is by truly having the opportunity to listen to other people and their stories. So Mm. thank you for sharing, Katie. I really enjoyed learning from you. I love you. Um, And I just, I think I have to just cheers to Chris's cheers because that's what I was going to say is the, is the beauty of the universality of the presence of the light in all of us who seek it. If you desire to have it, it's yours, it's available and whatever portal you need to find it through, go there. Nobody's in judgment. And if they're in judgment, they're not your friend, but we're going to love them from afar. Cheers. Right. Yeah. Well, love them with good boundaries. <laughs> Bye. Cheers. Thank you so much, Katie Rubin. Thank Please you. Check her out, uh, especially if you are in need of healing. And uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I will email you ASAP to set up your time with us. Sounds good. Hey, do I hang up now? 